We want to welcome everybody that's watching online. We want to welcome those watching from the county jail. Welcome. We love you guys. Appreciate you so much. And we uh, want to invite you to our Celebrate Recovery group that meets every Monday night. When you have an opportunity, we'd love to join you and, and meet with you uh, at 6 o'clock on Monday night. So good to, good to have you with us today. Well, I don't know if you heard about the man. He was visiting a farm and... Uh, he was visiting his country boyfriend, and he noticed this hog, this pig, come walking through the yard who had a wooden leg. And uh, he goes, I've never seen a hog with a wooden leg. He goes, tell me about the wooden, the, the wooden leg hog. He goes, oh, that's, just, that's not just any normal hog. That's, that's a special hog. He goes, tell me. He goes, well, it wasn't too long ago I was on my tractor, and the tractor overturned that hog came and grabbed me by the collar and literally pulled me out from me. That tractor saved my life. Really? Absolutely. Not, not only that, but my wife and I were asleep. The house caught on fire. We didn't know. That hog came with his snout, knocked the door down, and saved our life. He goes, that's amazing. But with all that, it still doesn't tell me much about the wooden leg. He goes, are you kidding me? With a hog that special, you don't eat them all at once. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah. You're like, don't, don't come to you animal lovers. I know you eat ham, so don't even go there with me. Yeah, like, that was wrong. Uh. So I got a question for you this morning. Why do some people lose interest in the most important thing in the world? And how can a person take something so valuable and treat it as if it has little value? Or how can we have a genuine experience with God and then perhaps months or years later forget all about that experience that we had with God? How can we take something so valuable and seem to lose its value? I read the story just a few Days ago, as you may, uh, you have seen as well, these two young girls in the London uh, Museum uh, Archives, and uh, they were going through the art exhibit there. And one of the things they had shown on the exhibit was a Van Gogh painting, one of the sunflower paintings that he painted back in the 1880s, I believe. And uh, Invaluable. In fact, the price tag on this painting is $84 million. Can you imagine? $84 million for this painting, this one painting. And these girls, the video shows, they're there standing in front of it, and they pull out of their purse two cans of tomato, ju tomato um, soup, and they open it, and they just spray the whole painting with tomato soup to make some kind of a point. My question is, how can, how can anyone recognize something so valuable and treat it so invaluable? And how can we have a relationship with God, the most valuable thing that we'll ever experience in our entire life, a relationship with the creator of the universe, a one-on-one -on -one opportunity to walk hand-in-hand -hand with the creator of the world and treat it as if it has no value? We're talking in a, about the fever of fervency, a series we're doing. Last week we talked about hope. That if you're going to raise the spiritual temperature of your spirit, then 
Hope has to be a part of that. Unfortunately, we, don't we live in a society where so many people that we run into seem to have lost hope? They, they don't think better things are to come. In fact, they just batten down the hatches and just holding on for as long as they can and just believe that worse things are coming. And I want to challenge that thought and tell you that if you're a believer in the Lord, you can't go that route. In fact, we talked about Samuel last week, the great prophet, who literally God had to come and, in a sense, shake him and say, how long will you mourn over the, the mistakes of Saul? How, how long will you be in this position where you don't see the future? How, how long will you be here? And, and sometimes I believe God has to shake us and go, you know, the best is still yet to come. Can somebody say amen to that? The best is still yet to come. Turn to your neighbor, tell him you got good things coming your way. Just go ahead and tell him that. They need to know that. You got good things coming your way. 2 Corinthians 3.17, we have to understand that God's always building something. It says this, that we all with open face beholding a glass as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. I would love to think that, that I am being changed every week, every month, even more into the glory that I carried in the Lord months or years ago. I would say the same because that's what God is doing. He's, he's changing us. In fact, he would say in Isaiah 28.10, it's a precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here and there a little, there a little. In other words, God is always taking us one step at a time, a little bit higher, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. God is always building. He's never decreasing. He's always growing. He's always growing you. He's always growing your faith. If you allow him, he will cause you to become something spiritually a spiritual giant in the days and the years to come. It's up to you. In fact, the Bible also says in Haggai chapter two that the future glory of this temple will be greater than the past glory. In other words, we cannot look at, at, at the past or even look at this situation at the moment and not embrace the fact that God is building something greater upon this foundation. Even the loser, if you would, the, the, the man Samson in the failed state that he was, the, the man with the great call of God upon his life, the anointing flowing through his body with great strength from time to time, doing great exploits, who failed miserably on the lap of Delilah, having his eyes gouged out, his hair cut, his strength depleted from his body, now grinding a mill as a, an oxen going round and round, used as somewhat of a a subservient to the Philistines. Even he, the failed state he was in, realized that God could still do something great in his latter days, even greater than the former days in his failed state. And as they put his hand upon two different pillars uh, there in the great temple of the Philistines, uh, the Bible says that he cried out to God and he said this, he says, oh God, remember me again and strengthen me just one more time. In other words, God, I know I may not have been very good here, but God, I know Know that you're always building, so would you do, Lord, touch my life one more time and do something great? And he pushed upon those pillars, uh, and the scripture tells us that his last act uh, on this earth was greater than all the former acts that he had done. In other words, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what you've gone through, the mistakes you've made, God still has greater things to do in and through and with your life. Amen. 
But in order to gain fervency, which is what we're talking about, then we have to do another thing besides just have hope. We have to get in the race. Turn to your neighbor and tell them there's a race just for you. Come on, somebody. There's a race just for you. That's what I want to talk about this morning for the few hours that we have left. I want to give you 11 check marks that you need to make in order to run your race. 11 check marks needed to run my race. I want to take Hebrews chapter 12 as our main text for just a few moments. I want us to look at this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance. The race that's marked out for us or for you. How? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. I was meditating on that scripture this week and as I was just meditating on this scripture, I couldn't help but to be reminded of that great hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If you know us, sing it with me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Paul says, I'm going to fix, the writer of Hebrews says, I'm going to fix my eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of my faith. So what do I have to do to run this race? Number one, I have to embrace the fact that I was designed to run. You're a runner. You were created and designed with a purpose. And one of the great purposes of your life is to run and chase after God, to run after the Lord. There's things for you to do, things for you to accomplish. That's one of the greatest pieces of news you could receive today, that there is a purpose in your life, that you were put here on this earth for specific things to accomplish that only you can accomplish because everyone has their own race to run. Adam, God, even God put Adam in the earth and he goes, now listen, you're not just gonna sit here in the middle of this garden sitting on the couch and eating potato chips and watching the sun go down. No, there is a job for you to do. There's things for you to do. Even in the very beginning, God created man for man to do things. There's races for you to run. There's things for you to accomplish and places and people for you to touch. Number two, you gotta understand, if you're gonna run this race, that you have to start right where you are. They did some research and asked some, a group of the atheists a question I thought was very 
interesting question. Now, you know an atheist is a person that doesn't believe in God, right? And so they asked this group of atheists, do you believe it would be good for our country or community if people, more people went to church? And the majority of these atheists all agreed that it would be better off for the people in our community if more people would go to church. Can I remind you, an atheist doesn't believe in God. And yet atheists would tell you that they still believe it's good for people to be a part of something like this. So you have to ask yourself the question, which they did, well then why don't you go? And the predominant answer was, because I don't want to. Well, can I just challenge that thought by telling you that there's a lot of things that we do in life that we don't want to do. Come on. I'm thankful this morning that you got up out of bed, even though you didn't want to. I'm grateful this morning that you put down that cup of coffee and you went and you brushed your teeth. I'm not just grateful. We're all grateful you did that. I'm grateful for those that had hair that you brushed your hair this morning. We do things in our life we don't want to do. We get up, we go to work. You don't want to go to work. You'd rather go to the beach. You'd rather play. You'd rather do something else. But you do things you don't want to do because that's what life is about. We do things that we don't want to do because we know that everything that good is good that comes to our life will come at some kind of a cost. It comes at a cost. It comes at a price. It is called pursuit. I pursue, I run after. Pursue, we pursue things in our life that we believe are good for us. If I want friends, I pursue friendships, it's on me. If I want financial stability, I pursue a financial job to bring in more income. If I want health, good health, I pursue good Eating habits, there's things that I do that I would rather not. If I, and if I want God, there's things I got to do like pursue God. He says, you draw unto me and I'll draw unto you. Matthew 7 says, if you'll if you seek first the kingdom of God, that, that, that's, there's a, the, the pursuit is on your part. If you want more friends, then it's on you. If you want more of God, it's on you. It's not that God isn't there. It's not that God doesn't show up. It's not that God doesn't speak. It's not that God doesn't reveal himself. No, it's on you to pursue him. At some point, you gotta say, if I wanna know more of God, I'm gonna have to do the pursuing and seek after him. If you want the girl, you gotta cross the room and invite her out on a date. She's just not gonna show up at your door, sir, and say, will you take me out on a date? At least not in the days that I grew up in. We would tell our girls, don't you call that boy. But I like him, Dad. I don't care how much you like him, he calls you. And if he shows up at the, if he shows up in front of the house and he honks your horn, his horn, he's gonna stay out there honking his horn. You're not going out until he comes to the door. He pursues you. And once he pursues you, you can pursue him. That's the way it works, sweetheart. In the same way with the Lord. I was, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and he's pastors of church here in Foley, 
Pastor Yunel, a great Spanish, Hispanic church, they have 11 different continents, or not continents, nations represented in his congregation. Incredible. It, I met Yunel, Pastor Yunel in Cuba, and uh, there was a window in time where they were allowing the Cubans to come to America um, and, and become citizens. And so uh, I was down there during that season, that window, and had a great conversation with him. I said, you know, I really believe, I know you're pastor of church, you're doing great things here, but I, I, we, I think we, we really need you where I, we live in America. And he and his wife prayed about it. They came out uh, and had become now a United States citizen. And six months after um, he had come to America and he had a little tiny apartment here in Foley and they invited my wife and I over for dinner and we were sitting there eating dinner and having a wonderful conversation and they were just glowing. They had little nothing hardly in their apartment, just little bit of nothing. And, and, and he goes, ah, we, pastor, we love America. We love America. America. I said, why do you love America? He goes, in America, if you want, if you want it, you can get it. I'm like, yes, you can. I wish everybody knew that. He goes, there's no reason anybody in America can't have whatever they want. You can just get it if you just get it. I'm like, that's right. He goes, let me show you. And he said, come with me. And he tucks, takes me out to the parking lot. There's a pickup truck. There's a trailer hooked up to the pickup truck. He opens the back of the trailer. He goes, look, pastor. And I look, and there's nothing but lawnmowers and weed eaters and edgers. And he goes, look, I can do anything, like even start my own lawn care business in America. And he has. Now he's got several employees. He owns two houses. And God has blessed them simply because he realized that if you have an opportunity to pursue and you pursue, there's things that you can get. Even our own constitution says that we believe in life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. You're not guaranteed happiness. Baby, you got to go after it. And the same with God. If you want God, you can have God. You just got to make a pursuit for God. Number three, if we're going to run this race, we have to choose what race we're going to run. Are you going to run a 5K? Are you going to run a 10K? Are you going to run an Ironman? Are you going to run a half marathon? Are you going to run a marathon? What, what kind of race is it that you want to run? You have to define your objective. Let me say it like this. What kind of a man or woman of God do you want to be? Do you want to be a a, a barely alive and breathing Christian? Or do you want to be a flaming, red hot, on fire, all after God pursuing Christian? It's up to you. It's up to you. you. You make the decision what race it is you want to run. What does your pursuit for God need to look like? You make the call. Jesus said in the great parable of the seed, he said some seed would fall on good ground, and it would produce a 30-fold or a 60-fold or even a 100-fold harvest. He was talking about the capacity that in, the, in the category that so many Christians put themselves in. I'm, I'm, I know a few 100% Christians. Don't know a lot of them, but I know a few of them. I know quite a bit of 60-fold Christians, and I know a slew of 30-fold Christians. I, you, you, you can get out of God to the degree of relationship you want to get. 
If you want just a 30% relationship with God, you can have it. If you want a 60% relationship with God, you can have it. But baby, if you want to go all in and you want to cash in all the chips uh, and you want to say goodbye to the past and you want to open yourself to live a life of faith, you can have a hundredfold relationship with your living God here now on this earth that we live in. Come on, come somebody. You can have that. I'm not some salesman trying to give you some sales, say today and today only. And if you turn in, if you cash in now, I, we'll throw in two more. No, I'm telling you, you can have the relationship you want with God. Even the whole Bible, the tabernacle of Moses was there. Set, set shows us even uh, the different degrees, the outer court, the holy place, the holy of holies. The, the I, I'm in, but I, I'm not very far in. I'm, I'm, I'm saved and I'm water baptized, but that's about as it for me. Then you can go to the holy of holies and experience the table of showbread, the communion with God, the fellowship with the believers, the holy Holy of Holies, also you can experience the worship and the praise of God, and you can experience wonderful the light illumination of the word, or you can even go 100-fold, go past the curse and experience the Shekinah glory and God himself and have a reunion with the Lord on a daily basis and call yourself a 100-fold Christian. You can have the race you want. You just have to sign up for it. What kind of race do you want to run? Number four, if you're going to run, you're going to have to find a training group. You need some people to run with. A selfless plug for small groups here at Summit Church. If you're not involved in the Summit Group, a Summit Group, a small group at Summit Church, you need to be with one. You need, we, have, we have whatever you want, we got it. We have a community of believers for you. Because you weren't meant to run this race alone. You need to commit yourself to a running group, to a small group of believers. Hebrews chapter 10, again, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together. Don't neglect this as some people do. But encourage one another, especially as you see the day of his return drawing near. Melissa and I, well, more Melissa, she, she got into running years back, and, and I'm like, you know, you go, girl. I'm with you. I'm all about it. You know, I'll be there at the finish line with a, you know, Gatorade for you. And... Um, and then one year, uh, she said, why don't you run, you know, the, a race with me? I'm like, ah, I really, she goes, please. I'm like, ah, okay, all right. I, I guess I'm, I'm in good enough shape. I guess I can do this. So, so now remind, let me remind you, she, she's been like running, you know, quite a bit and kind of, getting in shape and all that stuff. So she, she, she's ready. I, I just felt like, well, you know, a 5K was that, like three, three miles or so. I, I think I can do that with, I don't have to, I can do that. So I, I really didn't train. I, I ran with her a couple of times. We, she jogged really slow. I, I kept up with her. It's no big deal. I got this. So we go into this, um, um, what was it called? Huh? 
It is important. Now I, now I said it. Smoking butt run. That's why she didn't want to tell me. It was called a smoking butt run. I think it was about, they had Boston butts at the end. I think it was what it was. But anyway. <laughs> Next time when she says it's not important, I'm just going to go not say it. It's just not going to be important. So. So anyway, we're in this race, this uh, 5K. So, so uh, we, we get there, and there's a couple other, there's another couple they're going to race with us, you know. Um, and so I've never done this before. I'm, this is all brand new to me. And we're we're there at the kind of, uh, you know, at the towards the front, you know. And and everyone's you know they're like, you know, you know, doing all, and I'm like. Seriously, guys, we're going three miles. It's really not. I mean, they're they're all they're, they're all stretching and all this kind of stuff, and and everybody's really got this serious look on their face. And I I'm one of these kind of people when things get really serious around me, I start telling jokes and I start you know, let's let's, let's have some levity in the situation here. Y'all y'all are way too serious about this, you know, and. Um, I'm telling jokes and, and no one's laughing, which only motivates me to tell more. You know what I'm saying? I, I, you're not going to laugh, I'll give you another one. And, and, and so I'm just trying to, you know, and, and next thing I know, I find myself, uh, I don't know how we got there, but we're at the starting line. We're, the, the, this is the tape and my back is up against the tape and I'm just, I don't even realize this. I'm just telling jokes and being funny and all this kind of stuff and everyone's just like, you know, you know, this kind of, all of a sudden that, gun went off, and it was like the Oklahoma land rush, you know? Every, I, they, they, they were like shoving me out of the way. I turned around, and I see my wife, she's like 20 yards down. This is down Orange Beach, you know, they go down the wharf, and you got the big fish at the end, all that, and then you take a hard left. We're going to make this big circle around the amphitheater, all this stuff. And so she's like 20 yards, I'm like, whoa, these people are serious. So I'm out running, catching up with her. And by the time I catch up with her, she's got this crazy, insane pace she's at. And I'm like huffing and puffing, and we're about halfway down the wharf. And, and I'm like, hey, hey, why are you running so fast? <laughs> she goes, we have to be in the front. We got to stay in the front. I'm like, Why? <laughs> And she don't answer. She just keeps running. I'm like, what are we doing? But I, I'm a man, and this is my wife, and I'm supposed to be having fun in the smoking butt run. Come on. So, so I'm keeping up with her. I'm keeping up. And this is an old man. This old man comes, like, running past me. I'm like, that's not right. And, but I'm staying with her, and we get past the uh, convention hall, and they got this guy, and they got these like timers, and he's at a mile marker. He's at a mile marker. He goes, six minutes. I heard him say six minutes. I'm like, did he say six? He said six minutes. I've never run six minutes in my life, even if my rear end was on fire, and I wasn't. I didn't have a smoking butt. I still never ran six minutes in my life, <laughs> and, and my my. My heart is about to come out of my chest. I'm serious. It's like, poof, 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 poof. And I thought at any moment I was going to breathe and my heart was just going to go like, right there. And I had this realization, I can't keep up this pace and still live. So I had this decision. Do you want to live? Or, and, 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 and somehow breathe tomorrow? Or do you want to 
be so proud that you die and have a cardiac arrest in about a half a mile. <laughs> and so I said the hardest words I've ever said in my life. I said, hey, I'll see you at the end. <laughs> and all these people started fasting. I didn't care. I'm like, y'all are crazy. Y'all are nuts. Finally, I... I picked up the pace a little bit. I started running a little bit. I see this guy. He's got a stroller with a kid in it going. <laughs> if I had the breath to catch him, I would have killed him. I promise you. How do you do this? You have to find a training group. The point is, she never let me know that this is the way we were going to run. She just ran slow. If I'd have been training with her, I'd have been able to run fast. But besides, because I didn't think I needed to train with her, I wasn't ready. You need a training partner. Number, number five, you have to define your why and commit to a training plan. Why are you running? What is your why? Why do you want to pursue God? Why do you want a relationship with a loving father? Why do you want to run in the natural? You want to run because you want to lose weight. Are you running because you uh, have a bucket list you want to check off? You you running because you signed up for this, some cause that you want to raise money for? Did you sign up because you want to qualify for the Boston Marathon? What what is your why be, 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 be before you're running? What is it causing you to want to run? And and your why will keep you moving forward when it gets hard. So you have to have, I have a friend who was very much out of shape and he could care less if he was out of shape. I was concerned for his health and I would talk to him from time to time but nothing I said ever changed his mind about doing anything about it. I moved away about five or six years later, someone said, have you seen so-and-so? I said, no, I haven't talked to him for a while. And they showed me a picture and my jaw dropped to the ground. I said, no, I didn't even recognize the person. They go, no, that's him. I said, really? So I contacted him and said, hey, man, you, I, I see there's a new you. What in the world's going on? Yeah. Got to the boss and said, I have to ask the question, what made you decide to get in shape and, and, and do what you've done? And here's his response. He says, my reason is my daughter looked at me one day and she said, Dad, will you still be alive when I get married to walk me down the aisle? He said, why would you say that? She goes, because the way you look, I'm not sure you're going to be alive. And he said, you know, suddenly I had a why. I had a reason to do something that I should have been doing all along. What is your why? Why have you given your life to Christ? Why do you hide God's presence in your heart? Why do you pray? Why do you read scripture? Why do you tithe? 
Why do you attend small groups and hang with people that have like faith and are running after God? You know why? Because knowing God is the most valuable possession you will ever have in your life. That's why. That's why. Even Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, I've resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why do I run? Number six, what do I need to do? I need to invest in the right equipment. I need to pay some good money for some good shoes. Good shoes allows you to run long races. Good shoes. Um, Melissa said, so you want to run with me in that race? I said, sure. She goes, well, you're going to need some new shoes. I was like, well, what's wrong with these? She goes, they're going to, they're going to hurt your feet. Come with me to the special shoe store. I said, a special shoe store? He goes, yeah, they specialize in running. They'll measure your feet, they'll watch the way you walk, and they'll tell you exactly what kind of shoe that you're going to need to run. I'm like, don't you think you're getting a little too involved here? Isn't this too intense? You know what I mean? What's wrong with some, some sketchers, you know, from shoe town or whatever? What's wrong with that? No, 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 no. You, you, you got to have the right, the right equipment, which I believe is biblical. In fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 that talking about the, the, the spiritual armor that we're supposed to have, one of the things they says, and make sure that you have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The American Standard Version says, make sure that you have shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, now, for many years, I thought that what that meant was, I need to make sure that I got peace on my feet. That I need to make sure that I ask the Lord, God, please, Lord, just fill my feet well, you know, with your peace. So wherever I go, your peace goes with me. Well, there's uh, some good stuff in that, but that's really not truly all biblical. It's saying that we need to shod our feet with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And that's a whole other, another subject. What, what it means is that you need to make sure that when you go... Uh, and get your shoes on in the morning, not your physical shoes, your spiritual shoes, that you are ready or to share, get this, the gospel of peace. That wherever the Lord takes you, wherever the Spirit of the Lord leads you in this journey today, tomorrow, next week, next month, Wherever God takes you, that you're able to walk up and, just, and as you're having this little conversation with someone and you're just talking, all of a sudden the door just kind of cracks. Whoop. And you realize this is a good Jesus moment. And because your feet have been shod with the readiness to share the gospel of peace, you say, well, you know what? Can I just share something with you about my relationship with Jesus? Boom, what you've just done was took the reason that you put the gospel, the readiness of the gospel of peace into action. You've just now 
done what God has asked you to do. You have fit yourself, invested in the right equipment, and turned this good race into something that God can now use. There's a reason why he's given you his peace, and that is so you can share it wherever you go. Listen, if I showed up to the race in Orange Beach barefooted, you'd be like, are you all right? Are you... Are you thinking straight? How many Christians do you know that they wake up in the morning basically and they run out the door barefooted? They're not any more ready to share Jesus than a man in the moon. That their heart's all messed up, their mind's all set, they're upset, they're mad. I mean, I even had this moment yesterday. I was, I was, I'm, being, I'm being authentic for just a moment. I'm at this red light, green arrow, turn left. So they ever got, everybody goes, except this car in front, because now the arrow's now off, and it's just a green light. And we can still go. There's no one coming. We can still go. It's a green light. We can still go. And I really need to get down the road. And they're just sitting there. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, I really need to beat my horn. Just, you know, just, we can... And I, as I was getting ready to be more, I see on his bumper a Jesus fish. I'm like, oh no, this is wrong. I can't honk at a Jesus fish. This is a believer. This is a brother. They may even be here right now. But because I'd shed my, shed my feet, I'd shod my feet with the gospel of peace, I was able to hold myself together and bless the person in front of me in Jesus' name. <laughs> and keep my testimony. And when I finally passed him, because I did pass him, I was like, you have no idea I almost honked you down, baby. <laughs> Your Jesus fish saved you. So you need to get a Jesus fish. Number seven, here's what you need to know. We got to rule. We got to roll. Number seven, you got to train. You got to train. Uh, Philippians 4.11, it talks about, you know, all the things you've learned. I've learned one thing, to be content. That, in other words, Paul was going through some issues, but he'd learned, he trained himself to be content, even though there's all this mess going on around him. Why do we need to train? The reason we train is because we want to, here we go, Build our endurance. That's why you train. That's why you go jogging. You, you, you want to build this heart muscle so it can go further. You want to build the lungs so they can take in more oxygen so you can go further. You want to build the muscles so they don't give out on you halfway through the race. You have to train to build your endurance. That's why Paul was able to say at the end of his life, I've run a good race. He had built endurance into his life. He had trained. And can I say, life, if you'll let it, God will take life and he will use life to train you. And there's things that you're going through that you don't like right now, but if you just give some time, there will come a moment. I was talking to a brother out in the lobby on, after first service. He goes, it usually took me, because he goes, I, I've ran all the marathons, things. He says, I noticed that in my own personal uh, training that after three miles, I would hit my second wind. Or 
say it like this. He said, this is how he said it. After three miles, everything went numb and I didn't have to worry about the pain. <laughs> That's what he said. That's the goal. You want to get to the point where you're numb, where your legs are like, I've been screaming for three miles and you're not listening, so I'm just shutting down. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I'm just going to do whatever you tell me to do. There, there comes a, a wall that you press through that wall that, that your body is now accustomed to being numb of the pain. And you can keep on going, just keep on going, keep on going. You have to train yourself. And, and not only do you train, but for the runners, you, you, you run three days a week. If you're training for a marathon, you train, you run three days a week. You do a short run, you do a medium run, you do a long run. And then two of the days, you do what they call cross training. No pun intended, but you do cross training, which means you do other things that work in other parts of your body, like lifting weights or going biking or swimming or mountain climbing. You do other things to cause the whole body to become mature, not just your legs or your heart or lungs. You want to build the entire endurance of your body together. You do cross-training. And if you want, listen, if you want to be in this race that God has put you in, you're going to have to level up. You're going to have to press through. And you're going to have to allow your faith muscle to grow, your love muscle to grow, your joy muscle to grow, your peace muscle to grow, your patience muscle to grow, your generosity muscle has got to grow. And it all happens because you committed yourself to the training that is required for you to run the race that God has called you to run. You got to train. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, start training. Come on, start training. Number eight, we got to just run real quickly. You got to log all your runs. You got to keep track of how far you went and how fast you went on the run. Why are you doing this? The reason you're doing this is because you're trying to figure out what is your average pace that you need to run in a race that fits you because everyone's race is different. Obviously, her pace was different than mine. She can run a six-minute mile and live. I run a six-minute mile and die. Everyone's pace is different. So you want to be able to find the pace that God's called you to run, the intensity that he's called you to run. That's why you need a journal. You need to write down your prayers and your prayer requests and when they're answered and be, find that rhythm. You need, to, you need to do a daily devotional. Write down scripture and do a devotional about that. Take a few minutes and let God speak to you. You gotta, you gotta write it down. You gotta Log your runs. Number nine, you got to give your body nutrients. They say before you take a run, you got to load your body up with carbs and fats. I wish that wasn't the only time I could do that. You got to load it up. What's that speak to us? Carbs and fats. It speaks to us of the promises of God's scripture. Man, load yourselves up with God's promises. Bible, God would tell Joshua as they're getting ready to go into the land, he says, listen, I need you to make sure that you meditate on this word day and night. You need some carbs. You need some fats. You're getting ready to run a race, baby, and it's going to take you a little while to get it done. So you need to load up on this. Come on, carbs and fat. And also, they say, when you're going to run a long race, here's what they say. Here's the motto. Hydrate, and after you've hydrated, hydrate some more. In other words, drink plenty of water, and liquids, and after you've drank all that you could drink, drink some more. 
And that only speaks to us. Water speaks to us of the Holy Spirit. And if we will walk by the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Give yourself nutrients. Number nine, number 10, you got to embrace the hard. We'll have uh, a man to come, if you wouldn't mind. Embrace the hard. What do I mean, embrace the hard? No one ever enjoys training because it requires self-sacrifice. Paul would say in Timothy, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier. You just have to realize that you're going to hurt for a little bit, but just wait for the numbness to seek in. You're going to be all right. And lastly, number 11, talking about running our race. We have to (laughs) stretch before and after we run. Can I just say this to you? Prepare to be stretched. Why do I need to stretch? Because stretching increases your flexibility. The more flexible you are, the less likely you are to be injured. The less likely it will be that your muscles begin to tear or your muscles begin to swell. You stretch to eliminate injury from your body, from this race that you're about to run. Stretch before, stretch after. This race that God has called you to run is a race that requires you to be flexible and to be to, to flow with the punches, to go and allow things just to roll off your back and to be okay and to trust God in it. This is the race that God has called us to run. This morning, you may be here and you don't even know why you're here. Can I just tell you you're here because God brought you here. He loves you that much. And the idea of running a race for God is kind of foreign to you. You may have never even heard that. And even more, you've probably never heard the fact that God wants a relationship with you. Your creator longs for a relationship with you. Yeah. And this morning, our prayer teams are going to be up here at the end. They want to pray with you. They would love to say, hey, can we just pray together and ask Jesus in your heart because he comes. He's a, he's a gentleman. He never forces his way on anybody. So if you have never accepted Christ in your heart or maybe you have at one time but you walked away, don't leave here without us having an opportunity to just pray with you. But you're going to have to make the move. you got to make the move. For everybody else here, God is asking you to step up the pace, sign up for the race, and to run. To run the race that he's marked out for you. So my dad lay in his deathbed dying He was going in and out of consciousness. 
the lady, the hospice nurse told us he's entered into the last stages of death. She was a Christian woman. She goes, I've seen death over and over. I know that your dad is a Christian man. She says, if you'll pay close attention, what's about to happen is he'll come in and out of consciousness. It'll be like asleep for a long period of time, then he'll just wake up and he'll say something. And it may not make sense, but if you understand what he's doing as he's sleeping, God's transitioning him into the spirit world, and then he comes back into the natural world and he just speaks out of the spirit. And if you'll catch what he says, when he opens his mouth, you'll hear something from the eternal realm. I'm like, what? I've never heard of this. She goes, oh yes. I could tell you other stories, time doesn't allow, but I'll tell you this one. The last thing that, the last things my dad would say is I sat there next to his bed watching him slowly pass away. He was just asleep, his breathing was very shallow. At any moment I was thinking it would be his last breath. And then his eyes shot open like this. And he looked to my right, his right, which is me, I was sitting there. And he gathered all of his strength and he leaned up onto his elbow to get as close as he could to my face. And I leaned up, we were face to face. And he looked at me in the eyes. <clears throat> and I'll never forget. <clears throat> he said, Run, son. Run. Run, son. And he fell back in his bed and that would be one of the last things I ever heard him say. I will never forget that moment in my life and from time to time those words come echoing out of eternity thundering into my soul. And I hear my dad speaking from the realm of eternity reminds me that I have a race to run, not to walk, not to crawl, not to hop and barely make it through, that God has put his hand upon me as he's put his hand on you. He's looking at you in his eyes blazing with fire out of Revelation, it says, and he's saying to you, run, 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 run. Don't walk. I've trained you. I have coached you. I've equipped you. I'm calling you to put on your shoes and run the race I've called you to run. Run, my son, run. I want to know this morning if we got any runners in the house. If you can say to yourself, I'm ready to run. I'm, I'm throwing off the 
things that have entangled me. As Hebrews 12 says, I'm going to lay aside the sin that so easily besets me. I'm going to throw it off. I'm going to say goodbye to it. I'm going to make some changes in my lifestyle. I'm changing the way I'm thinking. I'm changing the things I'm doing. And I'm going to run the race that he's called me to run. If I got any runners in the house, I want you to stand to your feet and give God some praise this morning and let him know, here am I. God, send me. I'm in the race to run. And I'm in the race to win. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. You're watching in the county jail. I'm here to tell you that you got a race to win and a run to a race to run as well. And right where you're at, just because you're in that situation you're in, doesn't mean you don't have a run to win and a race to win. And I'm calling you, I'm calling you out, and I'm saying, change your life, turn your life over to the Lord, surrender your life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and let Him take you out of that place and into a place of destiny and purpose that He's called you to. Church, it's time to run. Not loggy, lollygag around. Not just flippantly live our lives the way we want to live. There's things to do, people to talk to, souls to save, and He's called you to do it. So, would you join me and raise your hands into the heavens as a sign of saying, God, here am I. Father, we lift our hands unto you this morning, and we ask you, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus to see us and we're signing up right now for the run we're signing up for the race and Lord some of us have been on the sidelines some of us Lord God have been sitting around uh, and we've been cheering others on but we haven't entered the race ourselves uh, and Father we're signing up uh, we're at the starting line and we're saying God here am I use me use my feet use my hands uh, use my life uh, I submit myself to the training and I allow you God to push me further than I've ever been pushed before and I'm going to look to you as the author and the finisher of my faith in Jesus name amen and amen can you give God one more praise come on church God bless you